0: It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And man, we're talking a raging, crazy topic today. This is something that you only read about, you hear whispers about. In the industry, it's talked amongst some people. But Kevin, you know from the manufacturing side, this has been in the, in the making for several years now. How to control, how to get in, how to access your car, how to tune it, uh, how to do the things we love to do. Oh,
1: absolutely and if you go back you know over the history of cars what did you need access to uh the screws on the side of your carburetor right the the nut and bolt to tune your distributor right set your points those kind of things eventually we got into smog and emissions and fuel injection right and we got into obd2 ports and that was a way to actually plug in and talk to your car now you can get data back and forth right and so that was huge so now we're communicating with our vehicle it's telling us things back and forth and anybody who's fixed a car diagnostics knows that that's key getting in there and getting those codes getting the information being able to do your sleuthing right your 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 diagnostics and troubleshooting and all that stuff it's key to get that information back and forth maybe even talk to the vehicle and and be able to engage certain actions and make sure those functions work Uh, but things are progressing Right? We're getting into the age where everything is like Bluetooth, right? Everything is wireless. All of a sudden, my car's in the driveway and it got a tune up over the airwaves from my, from my uh, manufacturer, you know? So all of a sudden now things are getting where I don't plug in anything anymore and things are getting more complicated and there's more data. But then we have this thing in the background like cybersecurity. Right? So now, you know, things are getting really weird with, you know, we're getting closer and closer to Skynet, right? And Terminator 2 and, and yeah, you know, like computers running things in AI and hackers. And so, on. wow, now now what are we doing? Where are we? And that's why we've got our guest today to really help us kind of understand this saga and challenge. But
0: then what it might mean if we're not paying attention. Right, right. And I'm sure a lot of people are probably freaking out because where am I right now? It's cold in Colorado, like negative temps, so I'm in my basement, (laughs) y'all. Welcome to Man Cave, which, as you know, Man Cave is basically a spot for dudes that don't have a garage and not into cars and don't know how to work some tools, so uh, Man cave side of uh, the Willie B. house. Uh, But yeah, we got Ted. Ted is with Auto Care Association. Uh, Ted, man, welcome to the podcast, and really excited to have you on because this is a a big time battle not a lot of people are aware of. You hear rumors. You hear people, you know, whispers of it, but this is something that a lot of people need to know about because this is going to be a big wave if it does happen.
2: Yeah, you know, thanks, uh, thanks to you guys for for letting me come on uh, today because it really is. This issue is truly uh, mission critical for anybody that is an enthusiast that likes to work on their own vehicle. For uh, any vehicle owner, that as you pointed out, Willie, not everybody likes to get in and wrench on the wrench on cars, so. Uh, having the ability to take your car into your your corner repair facility, your automotive service professional, and and make sure that uh, they have what they need to get the work done. It really is something that's absolutely vitally important for anybody that's involved with the independent aftermarket.
0: Now, Kevin, you brought up something so funny because literally a, about a week and a half ago, a buddy came over, he picked up a car, had a carburetor on it, first carburetor. It was like, complete black magic to him. The accelerator pump was all hard. It was all, you know, been sitting for a long time. And so I rebuilt this carburetor, tuned it up for him. And he's looking at me like it's some sort of dark, evil magic. Like what is going on? Um, It was, it was easy at one point, right? It was a lot simpler. And that made it more accessible to so many people. Things have dynamically changed. And there are a lot of different firewalls, to keep, you know, easy access into these these systems uh, that we love to dial in and dial up. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of
1: probably good reasons that the OEs are, are trying to lock some of these things out and probably some bad or bad repercussions if they go down certain paths,
0: right? Can you tell Kev works in the OE industry? <laughs> well, they've always tried to. Most block guys are us like, out. "There's not a good reason. There's not a good reason." <laughs> well, you know, and, and I think
1: I think Ted's probably you know because your background is you've got twenty-something years in in aftermarket uh, performance groups, and I mean he's been in the scene uh, I think from the supplier level. Uh, so I think he gets it right. I mean, they, they they tried it from the bad side for us. Lock us out from tuning vehicles, adding more horsepower, performance, etc. You know, we think there's not much good in that because we're going to try to break through anyway. And we want to tune our cars and we want to make more performance. Um, but, you know, then they're saying, well, this is cyber, cure, cyber security issue and, and over the air and all that stuff. And you think, well... Maybe I don't want my car hacked while I'm driving it and somebody, you know, because I've got steer by wire or throttle by wire, you know, drive me off a cliff. Maybe that's a good thing. But again, the ramifications are if they choke these things down, A, from the performance side, we're going to be losing out and B, just from repairing your vehicle to have to go to a dealer versus your favorite shop to have that competition out there that says, hey, my dealer's not that great, you know, or my dealer is 300 miles away, you know, you really, there's some downsides to it as well. So there's probably a balance in there, but I'm really interested because, you know, I'm not in it firsthand. Ted is in that battle. I really want to pick his brain to understand, like, what are these ins and outs and what are we getting ourselves into?
0: Yeah, when we get back, man, we're gonna dive into it with Ted. Check it out, Auto Care Association. It's the Two Guys Garage podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. And we're back with Ted on the Two Guys Garage podcast. It is the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I will Willie B. And we have a man, Ted, on from Auto Care Association. Ted's the man, dude. He's got some really, you know, it's sad news out there when you think about it. If you're not able to work on your car, for me, for for programs like my cars for Christmas, man, that's, that's a game changer. If you could imagine how critical it is for us. Each and every year for us to work on cars, you know, we simply plug my scanner in the OBD2 and you get a report as to what's wrong with it, you know, what's been done to it. You could run a certain tests on it if you need a contribution test, find out what cylinder is firing. It allows you access and programmability because, you know, you pay your license and it's really the most critical tool that we have and use, at least in my shop. Um, and I imagine if you plugged it in one day and can you imagine this, Kevin? It says, sorry no access hell it didn't even say sorry it just says no access jack good luck you know what if you go to plug it in and there's no plug yeah yeah <laughs> you
1: know like i mean that's as easy because that's pennies they can just save pennies and wiring and connectors so ted walk us through a little bit give us some more background you know will and i over here we're just bouncing stuff around but you've got the real skinny the real scoop you're on the right you're on the ground level uh, fighting this battle.
0: What happens if they win, Ted? What happens if they win?
2: Well, the simple answer for what happens if they win is that uh, you know 70% of vehicle repairs that are done after the warranty, after the vehicle exits the warranty window uh, are done in the independent aftermarket. That's right. And so if they win, then a significant portion of that 70% has to go back to the OE dealer, and that's a higher cost. Uh, it's less convenience. It's a whole lot of impacts. And, and, you know, Kevin, you were talking earlier about the, uh, the legal impact or the, the, the security, the cybersecurity impacts. And, you know, there's a lot of people that spread some scare tactics, some scare tactics about uh, whether there is a cybersecurity risk. And the answer is no. I mean, <clears throat> there, there really are state-of-the-art technical standards uh, for secure access to vehicle data. They're already in place. Uh, The suggested interfaces, for example, are are protected at the same level that uh, military and banking systems protect their data. The OEMs are using those standards today for secure vehicle-to-vehicle communications and over-the-air stuff. So the specifications are are good on one side but not good on the other all of a sudden, Uh, you know, and then – when you get into it a little bit further, you find that the, the OEMs are pulling just volumes, gigabytes and gigabytes of data from from their consumers' cars, and they're using it for their own purposes. So, so when you get into that, that they're monetizing your data,
0: Ted. What what kind of data? What what kind of data would they be pulling from your car?
2: Oh, not it goes well beyond the, the vehicle data. It's how you drive, where you drive. Um, what you're doing while you drive, uh, cell phone usage, whether you've grown a beard, uh, maybe you've lost a few pounds, put on a few pounds, (laughs) all of those, there are literally millions of data points that are pulled by your vehicles, the, the modern vehicles of today.
0: Why, why, why do they need that?
2: Uh, It's, uh, it's simply a, a money generator for them. They're going to take your data and so they're already doing it now. Uh, they, for instance, if, uh, if, uh, you go to the gym every day, your vehicle realizes that it recognizes that it sends it back. And now, uh, the, the, uh, the OEM can take that data and, tr- and sell it to, uh, fitness companies. If you want to, you know, nutritionists, things like that. It's all part of monetizing data. I mean, that's the, the golden goose of today is data you see it on tv you see it all throughout society and now uh, the oe vehicle manufacturers have a way to make money off of what your interactions are every single day
1: so um would you propose so let me step back again because you talk about cybersecurity and you made some great points and i and i f- i fully agree with you not being a cybersecurity expert that if you lock out a mechanic because you think there's a security issue but there's the real hacker that's already trying to get in, you got to block him anyway. So if you got to block the hacker, the guy that's just trying to do havoc, then you're already doing the job. So give the mechanic what he needs, you know, parse off and give him access to it, right? So I'm kind of with you that the security concern, it's just one of those things we're always doing more antivirus and the hackers are trying to beat it. And then we, you know, you just got to challenge the OE to, Make it safe, right? If the military can use it and the banks can use it, then a mechanic can use it, right?
2: Like I said, it's, it's already all of those steps, all of those, those uh, safeguards are already in place. The, the, the propagation of the risk, the cybersecurity risk involved is, is only a scare tactic to try and keep the general public away from the real issue. And that's and that's what it comes down to—the data ownership. I mean, think about it this way: everybody watching today is on some sort of uh, computer, phone, smart device, whatever. Imagine if you take uh, your iPhone or, or uh, your your Dell computer, you buy it, you take it home, you take a lot of pictures on your phone, you sit in front of a computer and you write the greatest novel since Gone with the Wind, and you save it. All of a sudden dell or, or apple comes in and they say we own that data we made the device so we own the data that doesn't make good sense at all so so that's really what it is here you buy a vehicle and the the, the company that made the vehicle is saying they own the data that you have put on the vehicle and that's really where it gets to uh what's what's essentially anti-freedom or un-American.
1: So you think that's really what their motivation is, is access to this personalized data? I was going to say, so what's the end game? Yeah, because there's two sets of data.
2: Their motivation is, yes, their motivation is uh, protecting that vehicle data. But since the beginning of this fight, we have made it clear that we have no interest in that motorist data, the vehicle owner data. All we want is the access to the repair data. Unfortunately they're tied together and so um, you know at least at this point they've managed to tie them together but they're you know it, okay. it can easily be separated so that every corner technician every garage every shop owner can have access to only vehicle repair data and that's really what it what it comes down to and so that's why the uh, the escalation has happened when it comes to this issue
0: how fast is that escalation occurring how fast? are they ramping up this type of security and, and trying to lock us down? Because as you said, 70% of repairs after the warranty is expired is done by those independent shops. That's got to be a large chunk of money. Like overall a macro level, that's a massive, massive piece of the pie. It
2: really is. And it's happening before our very eyes. Uh, that's why, you know, we'll talk about it, uh, as we, as we keep going. But, but, uh, the, the House has introduced the House of Representatives in Washington has introduced HR nine oh six or what we refer to as the Repair Act. And and what that is designed to do is to make sure that we have access to all of that repair data in the aftermarket. And the longer that it goes unchecked, which it's currently unchecked right now, the OEs are continuing to design vehicles that have uh, built in the the preclusion for them to be serviced in the independent aftermarket. So when you go in there, you're a technician wrenching on a car. You go in and it does exactly what you said. No access. And so the further it gets down that road, the harder it's going to be to get back. And that's why the urgency of this is so important and so vital, and and really needs to happen immediately.
1: Yeah, and and I'll clarify. You know, having been in the OES, there's different types of data, and you kind of poked on it. Uh, there's there's the vehicle data, right? So it's the things that we're familiar with, right? And IC engines, um, what's my coolant temperature, what's my spark advance, what's my fuel trim, all those things, right? And then what are my codes and, you know, are all my systems functioning, right? So exactly. And that's all the information that we at minimum would need, whether you're a DIY guy or a shop, you know, technician, that's, that's a no brainer. there's actually, I probably put it into three categories. There's a second category that OEs are looking at, and that's trying to design a product uh, as efficiently and as tailored to the user as possible. So a lot of times they create a, a vehicle, product, whatever, feature, and they kind of wonder if it gets used, right? How expensive should I make this if no one's using it? Or you know, how beefy does this have to be or expensive if people aren't, you know like going up Loveland Pass Right? You can really tax a vehicle going up Obland Pass. Well, what were my temperatures at this location and that location? Right, year after year in the summertime and the wintertime. And they can go, oh wow, you know what? We need to upgrade that sensor. We need to upgrade that coating. So they can improve the vehicle with a certain level of other data. And then as you said, then there's all this personal data. Right? Hey, every time they get in the in the vehicle, they turn on iHeartRadio. Well, let's go ahead and turn it on for them. You know, so they can add features, and they can maybe sell data to the gym, like you mentioned. So there's definitely different types of data, and and what you're saying is they kind of don't want to give us any of it. And maybe there's some really good arguments to say maybe we don't need all of it, but damn, we need a chunk, and don't take it away.
2: No, you're 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 exactly right, Kevin. I mean, uh, where we're coming from, all of that stuff is absolutely. Uh, the the vehicle manufacturers rights to do so. I mean like I said, there is so much data transmitted back and forth now that it's it really doesn't uh, um, make any difference to what' we're, what we're trying to do right, right For instance, you guys talk about the the evolution from carbureted to fuel injection. I mean think about it from a thermostat standpoint. you mentioned going over a, going up a mountain. Uh, you know thermostats used to be thirty dollars a50 dollars repair. Because it was based on the wax and, and you know when the, when the vehicle got hot, the engine got hot, then the, the, the wax melted and the coolant was able to get through. Nowadays, you've got several hundred dollars involved in a map controlled or a computer controlled thermostat. So the car senses when it's going up a hill, if it's towing, that the engine is going to be taxed and it already delivers the coolant where it needs to be. So, so it's not to get in the way of any of that yeah, technology yeah. whatsoever. All this is is about being able to have Joe's Garage on the corner of Elm and Main have the ability to change that map control or that computer controlled thermostat instead of having to go back to the dealership to have that repair done.
0: All right, so we're coming up against a break. What we got to talk about is why you would want that to happen because obviously I feel like it's all about the money grab. Uh, when you think about what that independent shop is going to charge versus what a dealership is going to charge we've seen that time and time again so is it more than a money grab uh we'll find out dive in and the biggest thing is how do we how do we defend against this movement how do we get to the point where we're backing our technicians if you're you know you're a technician you're listening to this trust me man, this is something you guys need to do as well so how do you get engaged which is how we defeat it more on that in just a minute the two guys garage podcast he's kevin bird i'm willie b and we're back after the break It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We're talking to man Ted. Now, Ted's got something crazy going. He's got this big fight. Ted's with Auto Care Association. And Ted, you know, we've talked about this a couple times. You know, we talked about why they're doing it, all the data they're collecting, some of which they're using in, you know, positive ways, to maybe re-engineer something a little more robust, maybe nefarious ways. Uh, I'm selling it to... You know, people we don't want to be blasted with targeted ads from. Um, I'll tell you something I've been doing lately. So, uh, Ted, you heard me mention this. I've been, while my wife is sleeping, uh, Kevin, you might try this. I've been going on her phone and Googling, like, race car ads and crap I need. And that way, yeah, she gets the targeted ads. So it normalizes it, you know, makes it more just acceptable in her mind somehow. I'll let you know if the plan works out, man. I'm on it. Uh, anyway, uh, we were talking about, you know, why people possibly want to do this obviously they're collecting data they're using it in you know these ways and manners but you mentioned something that i took down as a note that is probably bigger and a bigger chunk of money out there than you may think 70 percent uh of the repairs after warranty is done by independent shops i love independent shops i love you know i love i love repair shops that they have that guy that's the problem solver they have another guy who's just man this guy is Engines is a game. He knows everything about engines, and that's his deal. Another guy, hey, suspension? Man, anything suspension, you should not it to Ted. Um, So, look, what about these independent shops? What are these guys going to be losing if we lose this battle?
2: Well, frankly, frankly, Willie, they're going to lose the ability to work on cars. I mean, you talked about it, the weather bringing you inside. I mean, there's something about the garage, though. I mean, you, you mentioned all the people you walk in. Whether it's the smell, whether it's a vehicle up on the lift, whether it's just the sight of the toolbox, uh, you know the 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 grease around the oil catch, you know all of this stuff is is really what gets your what gets your 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 blood pumping and, and your heart going. Uh, and so having that having that, not to mention the impact on younger generations and and their ability to get in and, and discover their passion. and and, you know maybe what keeps them out of trouble so so there really is um, a lot at stake in this fight and and the reason why there are several reasons why but that's one reason why that we're so uh, hell-bent on on making sure that we win the battle
1: well I think it's for most people it's as simple as um, you know a dealership is kind of a monopoly right nobody wants a monopoly I wanna be able to take yeah. my car wherever I want, right? And like you said, if there's a great shop around the corner, it's got the guy that does this and that, I wanna be able to go there. And when there's a monopoly, they can charge you more money, right? I wanna find the best guy at the least price. That's my game right there, right? And that's where I imagine most people are gonna exactly. be. That's
2: that's for sure. I mean, and there's there's several factors, but number one is affordability. You know, it was just a couple years ago that there was yeah. an independent study that found on average, Uh, the same repair, the exact same repair performed by the OE dealer was 36.2% more expensive than if the the repair was done in the independent aftermarket.
1: 36%, man. Think about that next time you go get your car fixed. big chunk. Because it ain't cheap to get your car fixed. Now put 36% more on top of that bill.
0: You know I do cars for Christmas. This year it was unbelievable the amount of people that had to let go or release their car because the repair... Was so over the the top of what they could afford, uh, just brakes and ball joints. This lady gave me a receipt. She took out a loan. That's why I gave her a car. She was still paying for a car that she took a loan out for brakes and ball joints. You know how much a shop, and this is just normal shop rate, four thousand thirty-seven dollars for ball joints and brakes, bro. And they were just replacing control arms. They weren't really busting the ball joint out, hanging another one, pressing another one in. This is just, it's amazing what people are paying for parts. And then you take on top of that, you know, take a $4,000 bill, add another 35% or so. If you do that repair at a dealership, you're looking at a enormous chunk of money. So auto repairs have already jumped, you know, 100, 150% on top of that, add another you know, 35%, 40%, and you're going to see just people not able to, to repair their cars. So what do you do then?
2: Yeah. Willie, think about this. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the cost involved, but how about the convenience? That same lady, uh, if she was to have, to have to go to the dealer, has anybody tried to make an appointment to have a vehicle uh, suit instead <laughs> of dealer lately? I mean, you're looking at from a capacity standpoint, two weeks, four weeks, maybe two months in terms of waiting. These are daily drivers. These are these are the the vehicles needed to to get kids to and from school or to practice or or uh, right. you know to work and back. So so the convenience is one thing, but accessibility uh, is another. I mean, put put somebody in a, in a rural area, rural cons, rural consumers or, or, or fleet owners, they have to travel further to dealers. I mentioned earlier. I alluded to you know Joe's garage or Jill's garage on the corner of Elm and in any city in the country now now put somebody in a rural area think about having to trek to uh to a Ford dealer if the nearest Ford dealer happens to be 35 miles away
0: yeah or 135 yeah, or, or farther
1: miles. yeah exactly exactly no yep, i'm i'm yep, with yep. you so what do we got to do to turn this around um you know the momentum is kind of going one direction. The OEs are big and powerful, and they want to do their thing. Hey, is it every
0: OE too, Ted? Is every single one of them doing the same thing? as a full court press for for all?
2: It really is. And see, you know, just a, a small history lesson. Back in two thousand in, in two thousand fourteen, there was a, a, a right to repair, a version of the right to repair bill that was passed. Unfortunately, in that, and and the OE said, "This is what you needed. This is good." um so we're so we're good now the problem was there was no enforcement and and as you mentioned every oe uh whether if if they were on on it they could leave at any time so they could come and go as they pleased and without that enforcement there was really no provision for for us as as vehicle owners to have security in that so so uh we went back to and this is where you know you look at the vehicle data issue kind of leads to, they go they really go hand in hand. And so um, we introduced uh, uh, in a ballot initiative in Massachusetts in 2020, 75%, you talk about momentum, Kevin, 75% of the voters in Massachusetts voted in favor of the right to repair vehicles in the independent aftermarket. And, and uh, two years later, we did the same thing in Maine, and, and the numbers were even more staggering in favor of. So the momentum is definitely behind uh, the right to repair. But what is happening is um, again, because of the power, because of the money involved and the support and the lobby from the OE manufacturers, they've really kind of blocked the, the will of the people and the will of the voter. Three, here we sit almost four years later, And the the Massachusetts right to repair ballot initiative that was passed in 2020 still has not gone into effect. And so uh, it's tied up, been tied up in courts. So what we've uh, what we've done is introduced H.R. 906, House Resolution 906 called the Repair Act. And and for that call to action that you guys are are referring to, please visit RepairAct.com. I mean, it's uh, simple to spell, simple to put in. And all of the information is contained therein. But what's most important is your ability to get involved. If you've had a wrench in your hand and worked on a vehicle, if you have uh, a, a vehicle in your driveway, whether you work on it or not, but it needs to be repaired and you don't want to wait for a dealership appointment and you don't want to get another mortgage on the house to try and get your vehicle repaired, uh, you know, we mentioned the 36 percent cheaper, uh, then, then you need to get involved. And that's how you get involved
1: repair act.com repairact.com
2: repairact.com and 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 at RepairAct.com, act.com the best way to get involved is to send letters to the letters are already generated guys we make this as easy as possible the letters are already generated
0: so if I went to repair act in Colorado just repair act.com in Colorado what would be on the page
2: it's a background of, of the issues in hand and, and what we're doing to, to make sure that the freedom and the will of the people uh, gets to stay the way, the way that it is right now and we take it for granted. And so when you, when you hit the get involved button, what it will do is it will automatically you put your address in, not for us to use for any purpose, but just to identify what congressional district you're in in Colorado, Willie. So that when, when you get involved, you like I said, you just push a button. It is so easy. The letters are automatically generated. It will send a letter electronically to one senator. It will send to one of your senators in Colorado. It will send a letter to your other senator in Colorado. And by your address, it will identify your congressional district and drop a letter to your member of Congress so that every one of them knows the importance of the Repair Act, H.R. 906. You
1: guys are making it easy for us to get our voice out there. I like
2: it. It's so easy and, and critical.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, figuring out who your congressperson is and address and stamps, you guys boom, have it right there. All you got to do is repairact.com. I just got on it, right? The buttons right there, whether you own a vehicle or you're a professional in the industry, you can go either path and pff, there we go. We can at least make our voice heard and that's
2: big. Yep, yep, and spread the word okay. because too few people. We don't have the resources on our side to 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 take out Super Bowl ads or or things like that to to really spread the word. So we depend on word of mouth. And like I said, uh, our community is a close knit one, but the vehicle motorists they're not necessarily as close knit as we are.
0: You mean to tell me y'all can't afford internet influencers? Come on, Ted. Man, it's all the rage nowadays. It's
2: definitely that. (laughs) Uh.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's a no brainer in my book. We've been fully accessed to our cars for 120 years since the very beginning. I don't see any compelling reason to change that now, lock us out, lock out our choices. Like you said, even just convenience wise, these are our daily drivers. And if I got to get it fixed, I'm going to go to the best, closest, fastest, right? I'm going to pick whichever of the three, you know, lowest cost, best, or just quick, get me back on the road again. I don't need to be waiting weeks to get into a dealership. Uh, So to me, it's a no-brainer. And we're in the industry side to lock us out, to lock out all this, all these folks, all these people. Forget about it, Well, you know?
0: And the ability to fix your own car. We like to fix our own cars. Absolutely. i got a diagnostics machine. I'm allowed to. Leave me alone. I bought it. You know, yeah. shut your mouth. Don't tell me what I can do with my own car. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
2: No, from from oh, a sheer exactly. number standpoint, you're talking about four and a half million people and, and close to a half a trillion dollars are make their living and, and our transactions in the independent aftermarket. That's not the OE dealership side at all. So it's, it's really critical business.
0: Man, excuse what percent of the the, the budget is at? What two percent?
2: Two percent of the of the nation's GDP is the independent aftermarket, and all of wow. it is at risk if if we don't get our job done and and get the Repair Act through.
0: Wow. That's big, man. That's big. All right, RepairAct.com. Ted, thank you so much. Ted, uh, from the uh, Auto Care Association, uh, great info, great way to get activated and plugged in. Thank you so much, Uh, RepairAct.com. Wisdom, man, wisdom, and well served. Uh, Thanks to our producer, Scoop, executive producer, Bob Ecker. He is Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B, and this is the Two Guys Garage podcast. All right, check out our website, TwoGuysGarage.com. We're
1: everywhere on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at TwoGuysGarage. This Two Guys Garage podcast. It's copyright twenty twenty four Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved.
0: Ted, you ever had anybody? You ever had anybody ask you how to spell repair? <laughs> I am not.
2: <laughs> I am. I right, just make
1: it
0: sure, man. Just make it sure. It's
1: it's close to despair
2: sometimes. <laughs> but I can't thank you guys enough for the opportunity. All
0: right, man.
1: I got the website up right now. It was super easy, and uh, I'm going to hit some buttons and send my letters in right away. There you go. Me too. All right, keep us posted, man. Thanks, everyone. That's right. We'll bring it back. We'll see you guys on the next one. Take care.
0: Two Guys Ride Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.